We are Wrestling Elitist. I am Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with my cute and cuddly co-host, Sean Sen- Sensual Seduction Nash, and Alex, ain't nothing but a Jathan Gibson. I love that shit. <laughs> that, that's, you're getting better and better every week. Yeah. I, yeah, I've been waiting since you said last week that you had these ready to go. Um, you did not disappoint. Yeah, I had the new I, dog I, I had a certain Hall of Fizzle in my in my <laughs> shuffle. In this Hall of Fame season. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. We're going to be talking about WWE and AEW today. But first, we'd like to just mention again that we appreciate you continuing to listen to the podcast. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, give us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify and share it with your fellow wrestling fans. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. And finally, visit our website as well at WrestlingElitist.com. Last week, we uh, posted an article about the lives of Scott Hall. And then we also posted a lovely write-up, uh, a tome, if you will, on the wonderful show, Corey and Carmella by our own Sean Nash. So great stuff on the website. Give that one a good read. It was a hell of a show. And Sean enjoyed every bit of watching it. Yeah, that's not I, that was forced. That was not um, <laughs> chosen by me. But he's going to watch the whole fucking season. If you guys like it, I will. I'll do it for you. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, tell us about what the format will be. We always give you our match, moment, news, and cringeworthy items of the week, and then leave you off with what we're anticipating in the the weeks and months to come. Awesome. So let's go right into it. Let's talk match of the week. Alex, what was your match of the week? Had a three star special on my uh, my my match of the week, and it was a six man tag. It was the Red Dragon and Adam Cole versus Hangman and Jurassic Express. I uh, thought it was a great match to start the show. That's just something that obviously AEW's been great at since day one is always starting off with a banger to uh, kick off an episode, and this was no no different. A couple of spots that really stood out. First of all, Hangman when he got his hot tag and was just going crazy on everybody. Loved that. Uh, loved the triple moonsault that there was with uh, Jurassic Express to the outside. And then um, I think it was, who was it that was in the middle? Was it Jungle Boy that was uh, stayed in the ring and hit Bobby Fish with it? Um, overall, just a, a great match. You know, I, I was in Georgia two weeks ago, showed one of my buddies that I was staying with. I showed him an episode of AEW and he instantly was a fan of uh, Luchasaurus. So the, the next week he said, if Luchasaurus huh. is going to be wrestling send me a text and I'll watch. And it happened to be that it was the opening match and he ended up watching that. And he was just smitten by seeing all the crazy stuff going on. I think that that's like a perfect introduction for somebody that's like, what's this wrestling crap that you watch? Uh, it was just, a, it was a great fun match in that regard. And um, I, I was interested in seeing how they would go with, you know, how it would end having, who was going to win that match. And I think having uh, Red Dragon and Cole win it uh, helps advance the, Dark Order stuff with Hangman and kind of how he didn't go with his friends and then ended up losing. Uh, overall, three-star match. Enjoyed it a lot. What was your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I, that was my match of the week as well. I gave it three stars to boot too. Uh, I loved how Luchasaurus is kind of having more shine lately. He's not just the afterthought to Jungle Boy or just Jungle Boy's heater in the corner. He's actually doing more stuff in the ring and getting more of a, a response. Uh, I think this continues the feud. Perhaps Adam Cole and Hangman Adam Page will have a match at Battle of the Belts. Uh, I love the double 
doomsday device spot that jungle boy is doing having that as their new finisher is great because that uh finishing move has been kind of in the mothballs for a while and that's a fresh finisher to do and it looks cool jungle boy flying around you can do reversals and have him do something else up there so i like that also love red dragon positioning uh themselves as a challenger to uh, uh excuse me for the tag team title so hopefully they have a good match as well um Liked it. I mean, it was nothing particularly special or great. It wasn't a four-star match, but I thought it was fun. I mean, a lot of high energy, a lot of flopping around. And again, I like, like you mentioned that they're having a wrestling match start off the show after a couple of weeks of sports entertainment and interview segments and Jericho stuff. It's nice to just have a match to start the show again. Yeah, I love that Doomsday device. Um, Cole and uh, Red Dragon also ended the match perfectly with uh, the high-low into the the boom shot or whatever he's calling it. Uh, fun match. Definitely a great way to start the week of wrestling. Uh, I had to kind of go a different way because I found out I'm the only butcher fan on this podcast. Apparently uh, Darby and the butcher uh, great match to start off rampage kind of got Friday night kicking. Thank, thank God for my DVR for doing this magic and not uh, just taping NCAA basketball. Still got to see it. Uh, match was just what they both do best butcher beating people up and darby getting beat up surviving and pulling out a victory uh the, there's a great moment in there where i definitely not planned but the butcher shove shoving darby out of the ring and he hits the cameraman like just with his head perfect just ragdoll kind of moment um count out victory which we normally don't see too often in aew nice little way to kind of keep butcher strong hopefully my hope is with all of this that we've kind of seen lately with Butcher and Blade, Butcher kind of coming out to the ring, eating a chicken leg or pork chop, whatever the hell. This now getting a singles match. I hope we get to kind of see them, maybe not quite repackaged, but just once this Andrade family bullshit ends, they get to do something good, become a good tag team, kind of be a viable candidate for the tag team championships because they deserve it. They're great. Hopefully, maybe they could do something in ring of honor once that comes along they'd be a great tag team championship uh, over there and defend around the world who knows do you guys have any thoughts on the rampage opener boy i got a little paranoid though when darby was taking those spots with his melon just going from side oh. to side like after biggie i'm like i'm very nervous about wrestlers getting hurt especially right before mania you don't want to see anyone else get injured and that got me a little bit nervous but it's like oh it's darby he loves this <laughs> which is also yeah. sad, especially like having him partner with Jeff Hardy. Jeff. Like part of me wonders if he's like, well, I just got to take the mantle of beating the fuck out of my head. Uh, so it made me a little bit nervous at some points. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, Butcher and Blade do deserve a little bit more shine. Ring of Honor could be a good landing spot for him, but they also do need a permanent place with a heel manager or part of a stable that doesn't rotate. Like they've gone from Eddie Kingston, they've had outside people that they've been associated with, but it always kind of changes because they've been presented as a little bit of an afterthought at times. They certainly put good work in and they have the ability to have frequently good three-star matches and could be a good program at some point. So I, I do hope they have a stable home, if you will, because this Andrade shit's going to change as well. Well, and I've seen uh, Butcher and the Blade talk before about how their characters are. They're basically just mercenaries. And there's a reason that they don't really give much backstory on like what their names mean and things like that is because they're like, we're like old school movie villains where you're just like, they're just a bad guy. That's all you know that they are. And they're, they're, they're old, you know, that's what they kind of are uh, going for. 
but it's weird when you're a mercenary and you're always with the same losing group. Like to me, they should always be just, you know, guys for hire. MJF should have hired them. Uh, you could almost have like, if they, if you want the whole Andrade's a boss thing, like maybe it's like Andrade's their, their, their agent or something like that in terms of you go through him to get him to get them to do things that you want, but them just being a part of a stable doesn't really make sense for what has been described as their character in the past. Yeah. Have them be like APA in the old, uh, ruthless agar attitude era days and just have them like in the basement, chopping up some meat off like a hanger with a cleaver and some shit. Or they do like a burlesque show as opposed to like a stripper thing like the APA used to do just to go with their old timey Jack the Ripper shtick that they got going on. Yeah, I do like them, though. I mean, they've they've uh, they've impressed me. I don't hate the butcher. Don't hate him. Good. Not Good. at all. But uh, he's uh, definitely transformed too physically. Like he's gone through a couple of different looks recently. He's, as amazing well. he's got the Jericho thing going hard uh, going on. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go into our moment of the week. Alex, what was your moment? There was a couple of good moments to choose from this week. Uh, struggled to make my decision, but I ended up going with uh, Wheeler Yuta really getting his chance to shine for the first time. I think yeah. since he joined AEW, we've all known that he had some talent. We've all known he's been a good technical wrestler and things like that, but we haven't really had a chance to get behind him for anything. He's kind of just been in best friends, and you don't I don't even think they really ever explained why they absorbed him into their group. And he was just kind of there, has really cool pants, but that's about all that you had from him. And uh, seeing this match, I think as he was going up against uh, Danielson and Moxley, there was a point where you could really hear the crowd getting behind him, uh, getting getting a little bit more excited and getting in, you know, him getting some intensity in his face and everything like that. And then uh, after, you know, getting to see him get uh, slapped by Regal, uh, which then makes you think like, oh, is he going to be... Is he going to be joining them as well? Would love to see that, especially as we saw, you know, Daniel Garcia is now a sports entertainer. So that's one of the the young guns that's been taken up. Now maybe potentially being able to see Wheeler with Danielson and Moxley. I think that's just kind of the right pairing and uh, excited to see where they go with it. Yeah, perfectly timed moment too when he decided he had to go back in the ring. Just that hesitation, the pause, how slowly he went in there. The uh, best friends were looking at him and kind of shocked, like, oh shit, he could leave us. This guy could go away. Beautiful moment. And then that regal handshake is the shit. He put everything into that slap. That was a Walter slap right there, or a Gunther, sorry, slap. Uh, He put the fucking ripped his face apart on that that was great and wheeler did get the crowd going he really did get momentum again and uh brian danielson loved that he wasn't uh getting beat up so easily too he seemed to get thrilled by it so potential for him he does have to change those pants though not a fan of the pants you always have the worst attire takes just it's like a subway platform it looks like the the way the subway goes the blue line, that's the yellow what it line. Is, yeah. He's like Michael Schofield from uh Prison Break. Like that's he can see that and he can just see an entire city based off of based off of that. It looks like he's got yoga pants on it, like a planet fitness. Come on. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is if if uh Shop AEW had a pair of those as like men's workout pants, I would probably be putting my credit card out there for the world to get. You're willing because, to risk uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really do. Willing to get hacked again. <laughs> um, 
yeah, uh, that was definitely more like felt just like a palm strike to the neck. The the, the furiousness in his uh, his chop there. Not the not the guy I want to get slapped by, but that was great with Wheeler Yuta. Hit uh, Regal's slaps remind me back in college when me and my friends all loved watching uh, How I Met Your Mother and got obsessed with slap bets. And every time you got to cash in one on somebody, you just you just go go all out. Ruptured an eardrum one time uh, doing that. So oh. made a guy bleed from his ears. Claps for Alex. Look at you. You I violent so bastard. I could have been Regal. Yeah. Could have been you. You were so close. Been me. If only. <laughs> all right, Sean, what was your moment of the week? Uh, mine was the MJF interference with Wardlow, kind of screwing him over after he screwed him over. Initially, it didn't really make sense to me. I, I imagined you'd go the Lampert's going to do the chicken shit heel thing and get his his stud out of the match with uh, the bigger stud and hire someone who you know has a problem with him. But kind of the the genius of MJF is he he's willing to pay to get his own hands back on the person who did him wrong. Um, great facial reactions from Wardlow and sh- when he notices Sean Spears and Sean Spears just looking like he's about to shit his pants for what's about to happen to him. Kind of walk away from that. You get the MJF interference and it leads to Scorpio's victory, gets him away from Wardlow and you kind of can have a, a storyline with the uh, TNT title there. And I can't wait to see what this kind of happens with Wardlow. He got that great, great chair shot to the head. We don't normally see those quite often. So something different. Um, what did you guys think? Yeah, I think this was a storyline that or the execution of the storyline worked and didn't work for a certain segment of the audience. Like I thought it worked because it paid off the MJF stuff and it keeps that going. I I wasn't a fan of Scorpio Sky not having his moment yet and just having to force these two to wrestle so quickly. And the idea that the face of the revolution doesn't give you a title win because they've used it twice now where someone who won it didn't actually win the title. But I do like that it's opposite of money in the bank where that's just a guaranteed. So it's kind of like to each their own kind of a thing. Um, Maybe if they would have just put this off a couple of weeks, it would have been a little bit better just to give Scorp some time to breathe and to get a big win. But um, it was okay. You know, I, I didn't think the match itself was that good yet. Um, Wardlow, I don't know if he can hold his water yet in a longer match. Um, there has, he hasn't had a long match that seemed impressive yet where he had a good outing. Um, his character has a great outing, but like in the ring technique wise, it's not always like a four star fair. I, I don't like the dude though, who like jumped him afterwards. Like who the fuck was that page Van Zandt's husband or something like whatever that guy yeah, was. That like, was that's bad. the part of AEW when they do have too many people and there is too many people involved. Like he doesn't need to fucking be there. Like that's just, that's just too many guys. And unless they do like Wardlow just power bombs the fuck out of him on rampage next week, that's great. But he just didn't seem to have a purpose besides I'm like, I'm just keeping an eye on her. So nothing happens. Yeah, just get, kind of what that guy feels like. Yeah. All righty. Well, we're going to go to my moment of the week. Uh, watching Thunder Rosa defeat Dr. Britt Baker inside the steel cage. It was a hell of a moment. Uh, emotional win for her. The match itself, not the biggest fan of. A lot of uh, 
garbage stuff and thumbtacks and just uh, just seemed a little bit overdone, especially with thumbtacks happening just recently at Revolution. I wasn't a fan of that, but I did like the fact that, hey, they have to have a violent ending. I get it in storyline. And Thunder Rosa certainly deserved a big moment. And she was very emotional in her win. And you could tell it meant a lot to her. And that was something that I enjoyed. The fact that winning a belt means something. I texted you guys in the group. Like, I love that. There was all this emotion and tears, and it just felt like a big moment. Uh, the ex- the road to this ending, uh, again, hit and miss for some segments of the audience as well. We talked before we recorded today that maybe having them wrestle at Revolution wasn't the best way to do this. It just felt like an afterthought, or it felt like they were buying time to get to this moment when you knew they were wrestling in San Antonio for months anyway. So uh how it got here maybe not the biggest fan but it was nice to see her have a moment and it allows uh Britt Baker's stable to break up and Jamie Hayter's going to get some shine show, uh, shine soon so i liked it overall alex what what was your thoughts yeah absolutely great to see thunder rosa win the title i know right before when we were doing our revolution preview we were uh you know you and i were pretty headstrong that we thought it was thunder rosa's time uh and you know, I think Sean wasn't ready to see the DMD era end, which, while technically he was right, right, I, I think uh, that's only in technicality because in the same month she eventually lost it. I do think, and I've been wondering about this, do you guys think that with having only kind of the quarterly pay-per-views, it kind of makes AEW, like, you kind of always know when the titles are going to change, it feels like at this point, um, and does that kind of ruin anything for you, like, I, I obviously I never would have wanted to see Hangman not win back at full gear, but it was very much telegraphed. And even the previous winners of the that the AEW title were were pretty telegraphed. And I feel like with this one too, I know obviously technically she did lose that Revolution, then won two weeks later, but it still kind of felt like you could tell when it was over. And and I, I hope that I I lose that little bit of pessimism because it kind of just feels like it's like ah, eh, well I guess it was her time, whatever. Whereas I feel like there's been times in WWE because they have such regular pay-per-views and there's like more opportunity for title changes. I like, I feel like more connected to them sometimes. Do you guys have any feelings around that? I think it's just because it's a logical ending and because it's so logical, it feels like, okay, that's how it's going to end. And maybe that's unsatisfying, but again, to a certain segment of the audience, you want to have a storyline that's coherent and you want to build to the crescendo. But because you know what's going to happen, that can take up some of the fun of it. But Tony Khan also puts so many surprises every week in the show anyway. So it's kind of like, okay, I get my surprise fix and kick in. Um, I like the fact, too, that the titles have meaning. And if you change them so often, then they do lose meaning completely. So like that is the downside to doing a title change at a frequent basis or if if you if you do it too much, they just start not mattering when it does change. So. It is predictable, but it doesn't bother me yet. I think they still have time to do surprises and swerves. Um, You know, so I haven't saw a title change where I felt disappointed yet. I'm sure that's going to happen and come, though, because that's only natural. Sean, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, at this point in our lives, it kind of just feels customary with all the wrestling we've watched just to see title changes happen at big big pay-per-views, whether it's WrestleMania or SummerSlam or something like that, and then kind of handcuffing yourself to four pay-per-views in a year 
you know it's going to kind of happen at that point. And then we kind of get shocked when we see titles gender. be retained, gender, um, definitely. So, you know, uh, it's, it's good and bad, I think, really. But sometimes you can yeah. kind of distend your belief. For sure. And I do think that, you know, I, I try to keep that in mind of, you know, with wrestling, what's important isn't necessarily the ending. It's how you get there. Because generally speaking, we should, if you're a wrestling fan and you, you understand kind of the product that you're watching, you should generally be able to kind of know how things are going to go or how the end result will be. Maybe you just don't know how they get to that end result. So there's definitely that aspect of it. It's just something I've been thinking about with, with, with the fact that we haven't had a short reign and I think that that's a good thing, too, that AEW hasn't had one with any of their big titles yet, that short reign. But I do think eventually, once you have a couple more title holders, you do need to have somebody lose that kind of quickly, whether it's, you know, an immediate cash in of some sort, like, a, you know, of the face the revolution type thing, or just even the first main defense that they have on a pay-per-view, the next pay-per-view, they lose it. But you want that to be the exception, not the rule. And part of me too thinks like people shit on Cody and Sammy's trade-offs a couple of times and that's felt a little odd. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, we'll see. I think we'll, it, it'll kind of, uh, based on how Scorps rain goes, I'll have a better answer for that down the line. Um, and then the other thing I liked about the match, but also kind of felt bad about was poor Aubrey having to like do a pinfall of those thumbtacks like that in the tax. Yeah. Yeah. Directly <laughs> in them. It's just, yeah. She didn't falter at all that. She kept it going. So good for her. Maybe that's what spurned everyone to say like, Oh, those are fake. Maybe, but I mean, they clearly looked like they were in there. I don't, I don't really get where that comes from every time. They come I would out. never agree to do that. That would just be a spot. I could never imagine being okay with it would fucking hurt so much yeah i couldn't imagine like walking around with that and continuing a match with shit in your back and using all those muscles just eh. no better better right, people well, let's than move us. on to yes stronger women than us for sure uh let's go into news of the week alex what was your news item that tickled your fancy just happened, I believe it was yesterday it came out, that uh, DDT and AEW have announced a partnership that'll introduce some DDT wrestlers to America by uh, coming on to AEW television, which, you know, remember early back in the day uh, when AEW first got announced, they had the um, a couple of different companies that they were working with. What was... Um, SEMA was or something? One? Yep, SEMA's SEMA. company. Um, and they were, they were really unique because those guys really, like, had kind of a, it almost felt like you were watching like a martial arts kind of, you know, much more style than, than anything we see in the United States. So it'll be interesting, obviously, for people who don't know DDT, that's where uh, Kenny Omega really kind of made his name in Japan, him with uh, Kota Ibushi. So, you know, obviously he probably had something to do with that. They do a good job of kind of maintaining both good wrestling, but also some comedy and weird stuff. I believe that's where uh, Michael Nakazawa came from as well. And uh, so it'll be good. And then also on the other end of that, back when there was the big Tony Khan announcement, there was kind of two parts of it that were the rumor. There was that he may have been acquiring a company like ROH, but then also that there was going to be an international company he was acquiring access to their streaming library. So I don't know if that's a part of this, but very well could be. And, and you know, I'm going to keep banging that drum that they have this HBO Max deal until I'm fucking right. So uh, I'm going to just go ahead and, you know, conspiracy that that's part of the partnership as well. 
And I hope you're right, too, because I want to be able to watch Kota Ibushi do weird shit and toilets with sex dolls and just all those weird ass matches that he's done in his career. Were those in DDT? I, um, yeah, I think most yeah. of them were. Yeah. Like, there's there definitely one where like he was like getting fireworks shot at him. Uh, yeah. Like a car. Yeah. You won't <laughs> get that like, on Discovery One of the Plus. best workers ever and like one of the most credible wrestlers ever he's done so much bizarre stuff so i kind of want to watch that just for the train wreck aspect of like how weird he got when he was just given full reign um but yeah that'll be interesting i mean um i don't know much about ddt but i'll be excited to see some of those old school kenny omega matches for sure yeah it's definitely a thing of i'm not really familiar with ddt but it'll be cool to see uh people from Another another country getting a wrestle here on U.S. television, so we can hopefully spread spread the word on some some good wrestlers from all around. Yeah, and hopefully Jr. does the commentary again because that worked oh, out God. so well before. Yeah, he yeah, and like he was the... fantastic in New Japan. Yeah, give him a bottle of uh, something and put him in the yeah whatever. Okay, anyways, <laughs> let's move on to news of the week. Sean, what was on your news items? Uh, there are just a few uh, kind of dream matches announced for. Uh, announced this week with uh briscoes and ftr are going to happen at the supercard of honor and then at windy city riot we're going to see john moxley and will osprey i think uh not a fan really a fan of will osprey but i would love to see moxley just uh tear him apart bite his nose and ear off or something uh unfortunately we're going to miss that supercard of honor show with uh being at new japan lone star but i mean Minoru Suzuki that's that's worth the, the price of admission white, so yeah. duh you know maybe we'll end our end our night in uh Garland or wherever the hell it's happening who knows where the the wind will take us in Texas but I mean I can't wait to watch all of these on the New Japan world and hopefully a supercar or honor club whatever they called it once we get that library going for AEW I I was partially bummed when the Briscoes FTR match was announced, but it's hard to when you look at the card that we're going to see for the New Japan Strong Show. Really excited for uh, Speedball versus Jay White. That's going to be awesome, especially. And then obviously Minoru. Is it is it is that the Ishii and uh, Dickinson? Yep. As yes, well? sir. yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, so there's going to be a couple of really good matches to to see there. But Briscoes versus FTR. Makes sense. Let's get this match. Let's make it happen, especially if those rumors are true that uh, TNT does not want the Briscoes on uh, their network. It's kind of the perfect way to get this match done, potentially start that new era of maybe having FTR as the new ROH champions. Um, it'll be interesting. And I saw that they had like only like 400 tickets left available for that show as of like the last like couple days. So it's going to be a good, you know, packed crowd. I was just there. Uh, back in July, and it's pretty big. You know, it's about as big as the you know when we went to Cleveland. Very similar size, you know, oh, really? university oh, okay. type of uh, arena. Mm-hmm. So, um, overall, that that's going to be good. I think uh, Chris feels the way about the Briscoes that Sean and I feel about Will Osprey in terms of just not really just can't get behind him. But I I, I can't deny the fact that him versus Mox will be a good match, and uh, that's exciting. I remember when I saw that they announced that show really wanting to go if if we weren't going to wrestlemania i probably would have asked you guys if you wanted to make the trip out to chicago for that um and you know the card that they have shaping up there is looking pretty good too 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a good match with both of the matches will be good. I mean, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the Briscoes, but I think they can do a good tag team match and FDR is going to, I think, grind them down into uh, more of their style and Mox and Will Ospreay is going to be fucking nuts. That's going to be brutal. Um, those, uh, what, what is, uh, Osprey's finisher that he does with the, the hidden blade, hidden Good blade. Lord. Yeah. I, yeah, that move is one of the most lethal finishers of all time. Um, okay. So my news item of the week was Cody Rhodes officially unofficially, officially signing with WWE. So there was uh, reports on, I think fightful select and wrestling observer that he had indeed signed weeks ago, uh, and that he's going to debut some point the rumor is that he'll be debuting against seth rollins at wrestlemania if that's the case you'd think they'd have that on tv at some point just to sell extra tickets because they only have sixty thousand sold in an eighty thousand seat stadium for both nights so you gotta start getting that going um but yeah i mean i think uh the, you know the main thing that i take away from cody joining wwe is we weren't a fan of his running aw at all especially towards the end it just made no sense but hopefully they take care of them. And if they take care of them, that means that storylines are going to be logical and it's going to make WWE's product better to watch and an easier uh, product to swallow. And it's more palatable to our sensibilities. So if they do a good job with him, that means things are going to be making sense and that he'll be given like an AJ Styles type treatment in his booking. Maybe Maybe he doesn't win a title, but he's placed well in the card where things are logical. So I'm somewhat optimistic about what he could be in WWE. Um, But I want to get your guys' thoughts on just your first impression of this. And then I have a little, little follow-up question for you after that. So Sean, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm, I think it'll definitely be cool to have happen in front of us at WrestleMania. It'll probably get a a good pop out of the crowd. It'll be interesting to hear how loud it can get in uh, Jerry world. But uh, other than that, past WrestleMania, I, I don't think I'll really care or be interested, um, but definitely excited to be in the moment of that return once it happens. I'm hoping that I can react in a way that makes me identified as a meme, as a Cody Rhodes guy, like Brock Lesnar guy. You know, that's that's Ooh. what I want to be. That's what this podcast needs. Etch, etch my my place in history. Yeah, then we'll go fucking I, viral at that that'll point. be your next tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's on your other knee. Just an outline of myself, uh, but um, I think that it's it kind of what we saw coming. And then I did see that Cody's sister today tweeted something along the lines of it was a picture of Cody and Dusty from back in the day, and yeah. it just said, you know, Dad would be so proud of you if he knew what your next move was, or something like that. Um, which is that like, oh, you took the, the more money? That's what he'd be proud of. Um, but We'll see what he does. I don't really have a whole lot of faith that he'll be feeling like a star in WWE even come SummerSlam. I feel like he'll kind of go, he'll be, he'll be a new toy for a couple of months and then kind of go to the wayside. But to be honest, I'm, I'm excited because it'll be exciting to see him at WrestleMania. And that's really the only time I'm going to be consuming WWE content in, in the near future. Exactly. I think that'll be a good match and it has potential to be four stars plus if it's given time. Um, okay, so my little my little special question for you, impromptu. What would be the best way to book Cody, like big picture? Uh, like Vince McMahon Jr. with that hair and the suits. Just make him, instead of Austin Theory, I don't know. 
I don't know. I think if they if they were willing to like acknowledge that AEW exists, I think that there would be something that would be interesting about kind of having him just let him have his Cody verse and like be meta, but in the reverse manner at this point about AEW, let him be petty about that. Um, because I, I don't really see, I don't really see him becoming like a true, you know, top guy there. So like, let him just have his, let him, let him be the, your voice against the other product at this point. I kind of want to see it a little bit just cause I, AEW takes a lot of jabs. So I feel like it's okay for WWE to take jabs. It's not like, yeah, it'd be one thing if, if taking a jab at impact or MLW, that's not that impressive, but I think doing it at AEW directly and like, you know, kind of dangling that like you've got their former EVP. I think that that could be done. Some, that could be something interesting in the same way that, which I know we'll be talking about shortly. Um, the whole Jericho appreciation society with Jericho doing the whole sports entertainer gimmick is kind of do that on the reverse side of, but with Cody yeah. against AEW. Sean, you had something. Um, I kind of also just thought of like, you know, uh, Eric Bischoff, you have the old former, uh, front office man of the uh, the former WCW why don't you do the same thing with AEW you got their their big man why don't you do run with that keep him in more, a uh, general manager kind of role more importantly what song will he come out to the smoke and mirrors song that he used to do in WWE or adrenaline in my soul because they both suck so yeah I was like uh, they're both no, no stardust yeah love. they're both awful <laughs> That would be amazing if he came back to WrestleMania as Stardust. As Stardust, I, I will. I will commit to watching a year's worth of WWE straight without That's, missing a single RAW. If he comes back as Stardust at WrestleMania, especially that, if he did like the NFL quarterback thing and had his equivalent of like Matthew Stafford's wife, just like no, it's actually really good. And Stardust meant a lot to Dusty, da, 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 and just like doing that shit, like that would be such a train wreck and cringy are you taking matthew stafford jabs this is a stafford family podcast oh man you're dead lord this is an ohio state friendly podcast just because you hold season tickets now yeah he's a different team now this is your intervention it starts now (laughs) i'm changing my cringe of the week sean has detroit lions uh season tickets now (laughs) i guess you won't be seeing seeing me there on sundays so the one idea I had with Cody that could actually kind of pay off from like a silly fantasy booking standpoint, uh, they're not going to have him drop it to Roman or uh, have him go over Roman. Right. If, 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 especially if Roman wins both belts, what they could do is a rehash of the triple H getting the dusty and Ric Flair belt. And they could just have him win money in the bank. And as opposed to cashing in on Roman, he can then go heel and just have that old world title belt back because they're going to bring another title anyways. They're not going to just have one champion over both shows. So that would be such a great heel turn and it would kind of go full circle with his weird triple H obsession anyways. Um, so it'd be kind of funny to see like uh, him actually embrace being a heel and cause he could do a great heel trolling character. Uh, he has that capacity. Now, if he just stays as a baby face trying to be Cena, that's going to be fucking awful, but you never know. It is truly unfortunate that Triple H has been uh, sidelined with that that uh, health scare a little bit ago. We could have had 
the the feud of the century with Cody and Triple H. That would have been fantastic at Mania. Sledgehammer versus Sledgehammer. They could have done the, <laughs> the yeah. They could have. Their like match graphic could be them doing like the Spider Man pointing at Spider Man meme. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Christ. Okay, let's get let's get some jabs in now. Let's go into cringe of the week. Alex, what was your cringe? My it's gonna be simple for me. It's just with the Jericho Appreciation Society, I'm fine with Daniel Garcia being attached to Jericho. I think that's actually probably good for him to I know the knock on him is that he doesn't have quite the personality or charisma of some other young guys. So give him a chance to work directly with Jericho in that regard. And I thought first of all the him saying I'm a sports entertainer. I think that made all of our skin crawl uh, seeing Daniel Garcia say that. Uh, but my cringe was the other members of the Jericho so- uh, Appreciation Society being uh, 2.0. I just don't. I'm I'm ready for them to be relegated to YouTube matches and I, I don't <laughs> need to see them. I think it's kind of an- it's another group where there's a part of me that gets it that it's like, yeah, it's good that I hate a bunch of the people in the group between Hager and those two. But it's not a hate where I'm like, oh, they're such, they're great heels and I dislike them for that reason. I just don't want to see any of those those three on my screen. And really even Jericho, there's a part of me that's kind of over him. But also I can appreciate how good he is, what he means for the company, what he means for a young person to be getting a chance to work alongside him. And he also ultimately knows how to uh, manage a crowd when he's working as a heel. Uh, he's done some great things. So I'm, I'm good with Jericho. I won't complain about that. But just 2.0, I wish they would have given a different tag team that spot to be those goons. It feels like the Basham brothers being with JBL, where all of a sudden you're like, here with these losers. So that was all I had really with it. And I know, Sean, you had a similar thought, right? Yeah, exactly. They, it, It's just stupid. Not a fan. Uh, Hager and 2.0, they're, it's go away heat. They're taking precious time away from other wrestlers and it's it's crowded at the top in aew so you got to give time to so many other people than these three duds they're in their new names uh daddy daddy magic and cool hands just uh it's i i can't do it not a fan uh i hope jericho and uh daniel garcia get something out of this but hopefully they kind of shed the fat quickly in the jas 2.0 2.0 has gotten so much TV time too. It's you ridiculous. Think about it. Like they've gotten a ton. There's so many other wrestlers that have not been afforded that luxury. And I just don't see what they're not bad, but they're just not interesting. And eh, just, eh. the one guy, you know, is way too pro wrestling. He just feels like the corniest eighties pro wrestler, like, and not the good way. Not like how, not in the sense of like the young bucks it would being how they're, you know, how they kind of model themselves after eighties and nineties tag teams and things like that. And the other guy just looks like discount Chuck Taylor. And I can't, can't get over that. So. Yeah, wow. He does. Yeah. You, yeah. Never thought of that. You definitely find him in like a casino playing cards. He's kind of got that face. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to my cringe of the week. So I was not a fan of the battle over the talk show segment. Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens. I thought this is the laziest, dumbest fucking storyline that they could have possibly done with these two. 
I get that for whatever reason, Cody hasn't been on TV yet and you need something for Seth to do. There's no credibility and I don't have anything to do at WrestleMania and I just can't get a match when everyone else just jumps someone and they get shoehorned into a match. And that's how it's always been for years. So that, first of all, just fucking dumb. The second thing, it's a talk show segment, even in like the kayfabe world of WWE. Those are all dumb and look pointless and are worthless. Does anyone actually think that this is its own separate like show within the show? Like it just it doesn't eh, it doesn't make any sense. Like I get maybe if it was, you know, WrestleMania three and it's Piper's Pit versus the flower shop and it felt like an organic thing and they have a set or maybe it's an appearance on an actual talk show like they go to Jimmy Kimmel, they go to Conan or something like that. But it's just them in the ring with a shitty flat screen TV that doesn't work anymore that they put a logo on. It just doesn't do anything. And Kevin Owens uh, looks almost like the face too in this. Like he's getting screwed over. And Seth Rollins is seems like he's doing lines of Adderall. I don't know. That character's fucking annoying. Like yeah. he's got enough goodwill and everything built up over his career of having so many excellent matches where I'm not as bothered by him or I just he's not go away heat. But he's like on Baron Corbin territory with me right now. Anytime I watch him, I just can't fucking handle that bad acting and the over the top nature of it and how obnoxious he is with every facial tick and giggle and laugh and just awful. It's a waste of great talent. We we got a good raw main event match out of it, but it's just it's so ridiculous of a storyline. I think uh, I think it was Brian Alvarez who put it out like on a tweet. Just at this p- point in time, it's ridiculous to have the uh, I don't have a match at WrestleMania storyline be a storyline because it's just there's it's two nights of a five hour show. How can you yeah. not? It's you don't have enough wrestlers on the in the roster to do to fill a whole card so cena did this four years ago and it's not believable that cena wouldn't have a spot it's just fucking dumb get another trope like it's such a dumb storyline thing where i i I just can't imagine there's no one in there going like hasn't this been done better before or why does anyone care you've perfected it you minted it and now it's ruined so I've got nothing to add because all I was going to say was that same thing that Alvarez said with just, it makes zero sense that you can't find a spot. And if anything, I just think it makes those guys look like they aren't talented enough for a spot, which is crazy because they're two of the more talented guys on the roster. So it's a weird, it's a weird story to tell with those two anyways. Like you should be telling that story with Chad Gable and Baron Corbin or something like that rather than those two. Or explain why, like, there's value in hosting a talk show segment in general. Like, what has it ever gotten The Miz to do that? Or what has it ever gotten Edge when he does his rated arcade, whatever the hell his show was? Like, it, those are just unbelievably weird uh, dalliances of kayfabe where it's supposed to mean something. But I don't think it's ever meant anything to a casual fan at all. And I'm going back and watching just some old... WrestleMania is kind of checking in and out, but like there's hardly ever just a um, Miz TV or Jericho, whatever his TV show was. Like it just wasn't a thing you do on a highlight reel on a thing. That's the most important night of the whole year. You don't waste it on a awful gimmick promo. And supposedly that's going to be the main event now of night one. I saw that. Yeah. Percolating that. Uh, Austin and Kevin Owens will be the main event. 
which is weird. Just have a fucking match then and then just let it be bad. Let it just be a brawl and just announce it as a street fight. And Austin can apologize that it's going to be shitty and he's doing it for the money later, I guess. I don't know. It could just uh, why do you need the talk show segment to do it? Meltzer tweeted today that he and Stone Cold have a, a mutual friend and he saw him with his shirt off and he says he looks great. So oh. don't be afraid. We'll, we'll see Stone Cold shirtless. That's the Meltzer rumor mill. If you guys would ever like to leak something about that with me, just feel free to tell everybody that too. He looks good without a shirt on the internet. He's Thank starting you. his OnlyFans account. It's gonna He's going to make $10,000 quick. <laughs> <laughs> Give Tony Storm a run for her money. Yeah. You ain't seen shit. Wait till he takes off his shirt. All right. So besides <laughs> uh, anticipating seeing Alex Topless, what are you guys anticipating this week? Look at that segue. So for me, I think, you know, if you look at the last two weeks since Revolution, we haven't seen CM Punk or MJF. I think we have a very good idea of what's happening with MJF next. Well, I guess we did see MJF uh, in a little bit of that moment but we didn't see like a promo or anything like that um but i want to see what we're doing with cm punk i know he was off for the last two weeks for some sort of filming thing that he was doing i saw uh, heels, heels yeah heels yes. Stephen yeah yeah so um there there was reason for it and also it kind of helped sell you know how brutal that match was but i'm excited to see where, where he goes because it kind of makes sense to make him the next challenger for hangman but if you do that does he turn heel does that mean uh, and kind of where do you go with him from there? So I'm just excited to see what's next for CM Punk uh, and kind of, you know, where he goes after this win off over MJF. If he is the number one contender, they did have a missed opportunity of Hangman not drinking beer on St. Patrick's Day. Like that could have been such an easy thing to get CM Punk pissed off about as he was drinking green beer. He just finds that gross <laughs> and just Definitely. has to come back and he's pissed off about that. I could totally picture him being like, eh, drinking alcohol is one thing, but green beer, fuck you. That could have done it. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to at the end of Rampage, we kind of saw a little swerve, Freaky Starks kind of stare down. Hopefully that would be a, a fantastic match to f- phenomenal wrestlers i'm sure we'll probably end up seeing more of a a tag match with swerve and keith lee versus team taz still great um i don't know really kind of where swerve's character goes if he's going to be heel or face kind of maybe a tweener for the moment but uh i just think swerve and ricky starks and the the ring could create some magic so 45 minutes into the show no one's done a keith lee looks like joke yet I I saw something about this. What is this about on the internet? People were doing like a little thing of like Keith Lee looks like a guy who da 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 da, and uh-huh. like oh yeah, Keith Lee like, looks like a guy who can solve Wordle on the first try. <laughs> like there's yeah, like there things, but it's like yeah, kind of. There was one that was like Keith Lee looks like the kind of guy who says incorrect, incorrect instead of yes or no. Um, like he's a very proper gentleman or something like that. I don't. Weird. Internet's got too I mean, much he time. He did on its play hands. up his. He did play up his like pronunciation pretty heavy when they when uh, the acclaim made fun of him and said he sounded like King George. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a nice thing that it's not this mean thing where they're just like giving him shit or something. So whatever, that's nice. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's very random how the internet can be like sweet about stuff. <laughs> like that can be like a trend, and then it can just be toxic as fuck. <laughs> So, 
All right. Well, I'm anticipating uh, this duel between the Young Bucks and FTR. They had a little backstage segment where uh, I have to admit, Nick Jackson looked fucking awesome as the weird punk rock leprechaun. That was a great look for him. Uh, But they had a tease between FTR and the Young Bucks. They had a match before, which was really, really good. But they could have a really great match if they go the babyface route. They've been hinting at Bret Hart being involved now which would be crazy to see Bret Hart with FTR. Uh, CM Punk talked lovingly about Bret Hart as well a couple weeks ago. So maybe he is making his way back. And this is the way to kind of coax him out of his shell is to just praise him with a lot of love. So he feels happy enough to come back because sometimes that's what you need to do to get Bret to come back is lavish him with praise, even though he does deserve praise. Sometimes he can be a little bit of a curmudgeon. But I'm excited to see what these guys do. I think FTR could be good faces. They're such bad heels and they're such great professional wrestlers. Maybe they are faces and just see what that's like. Ricky Steamboat was never a heel. There's certain wrestlers that never go on the other side. Like, I don't want MJF to ever be a face. But FTR may be able to pull it off. I would love to see it. And I would love to see us get a chance to run back FTR versus the Young Bucks yeah. in front of a full crowd of people again. Since last time, it was very much limited. Um, and it was a short feud, really. They didn't, you know, drag that on too long. So it'll be nice to kind of get a longer version of that. Um, but I do also love the idea that, like, with Bret Hart, it's like how when you have a scared cat, you got to leave little treats out for them mm-hmm. to, like, kind of come out. Bret Hart's the exact same way, but with uh, compliments to get him to show up on your wrestling show. Yep. Coax him with just a little bit of encouragement every now and then, some praise, and Brett will come out of his Canadian shelter. I'll tell you, Brett, with a tear in my eye, that was a 10 out of 10 promo. That's all it takes. (laughs) He's got to say the right things, the right verbiage from his book, and he'll come back to you. I'm also excited to see, though, um, what they do with the Owen Hart tournament. It feels like they got to start playing that up now yeah, uh, because it's supposed to be finishing off at double or nothing. So if it's going to be a big, expansive tournament with – uh, 32 people on the men's and the women's side, you got to start getting that going. So I'm excited to see where they go with that as well. And of course, we got WrestleMania coming up in a couple of days. So we'll be doing some extra bonus content about that and talking about the show, uh, especially next week as we get closer to the show of shows. Or, or I'm sorry, the most stupendous two nights in the history of mankind, whatever the hell their catchphrase is this year. I don't know. The Showcase of the Immortals. Showcase of the Immortals. The grandest stage of them all. So that'll wrap up the show for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast, and visit WrestlingElitist.com for our latest match reviews and articles. We'll have a review up on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Macho Man Randy Savage, I promise, at some point this week. And of course, please help support the show by giving us a five-star review wherever you stream your podcast and share with us Uh, with your friends that are also wrestling fans as well. So, Rick Rude, take us home. Hit the music!